Hi, I'm Laura Cannell and welcome to Does This Resonate, the podcast about musicians and the creative process. I'm a composer, performer and record label boss and I'm really interested in how other people work. In this series, you're invited to listen in on conversations with musicians and other creatives talking openly about performing, recording, touring and producing music. I'll be talking to guests about their own artistic processes, what inspires them, as well as any challenges they've faced in their careers. There are so many times that as an artist and as a human we long to be heard and we search for understanding in our own experiences from others. Creativity is different for everyone, but there are moments that resonate and it's really good to feel like we aren't alone. Today I'm joined by the amazing and inspiring Catherine Tickell. She plays Northumbrian pipes and fiddle, is a composer, performer, educator and recording artist whose work is deeply rooted in the landscape and people of Northumbria. Catherine has an OBE which recognises her incredible career, which she began by learning tunes from shepherds in the rural community where she grew up. We've known each other for a few years and I've been listening to her albums for over 20 years. We talk about her most recent album Hollow Bone, the Me Too movement in folk and traditional music, performance advice, feelings of yearning in music, Hadrian's Wall and her favourite drones. Let's jump in. So nice to have you. Haven't seen you for quite a while. I know, it's good to have a chat. Yeah, well this is really why I'm doing a podcast so that I get to talk to people I like and I'm interested in and I'm not great at small talk unless it's really about music and I think you're a bit similar aren't I you? am yes, <laughs> yes we know this about each other. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because I know that you interview people with your radio show. Well I always have to stop myself interrupting them so all right <laughs> well that's a bit of a discipline it doesn't come naturally to me two-way thing that's what it's about really for me yeah totally it's like with music everything's about conversation isn't it and call and response so because I know that you've done masses of solo work um but it's never really just about playing on your own because it's always about the audience and how you're presenting and it's like being in the giving mode um rather than receiving mode isn't it Absolutely. Although, actually, uh, I know we haven't even started on the proper questions, but we seem to have set up. No, on no, that's anyway. fine. <laughs> actually, you're saying um, that solo work, because I don't like doing solo work because I, I I like the interaction with other musicians. But having said that, there is something really special about being solo on the stage and having that. Um, it's not necessarily interaction with the audience, but that connection with them and that um response to what's going on but also I do feel like I'm receiving not just from the audience but um when I'm playing some of the traditional tunes I'm receiving from those people I learned the tunes from even if they're no longer with us I am still hearing Willie Taylor play his fiddle alongside me so the audience doesn't realize that they're getting a bit of that as well but they are yeah so absolutely what's going on there anyway yeah, sorry no, no, that's amazing. That's I quite often think that in terms of like if you're playing like in a really old building, quite often I record in empty churches around East Anglia. And I'm always thinking about what that building has heard before. And well, the same with concert venues and things, what that building has heard before, who has stood in that position on that spot, what the you know, what the walls have heard. And I don't know how you think about it, but there are lots of different ways, aren't there? Whether you've just got lots of actual people standing behind you where the music has kind of passed on and then you're the sort of conduit at the moment putting Mm -hmm. your voice on it um but yeah I always feel like if I've recorded in a space like Southwold Lighthouse or something and then I go somewhere to perform and it's a bit like maybe in a big 
marquee stage or something like that I have to get into the head that I'm still in that I'm I'm hearing the lighthouse yeah and that's yeah. what I'm trying to project I mean that's mm. what you just said isn't it but um yeah. <laughs> It's interesting though that that's what's in in your head while you're doing it it's not just the the actual notes it's the whole atmosphere and the, yeah. the, the space inside you yeah anyway. and once you reach anyway. that point yeah but no but this is exactly <laughs> what it's about when you reach that point you're not you're never really thinking about the notes no because they're there now and it's it's like the difference between for me it was the difference between performing sort of more baroque and classical music and and always thinking about the notes and then being liberated by stepping away from it, by having this sort of, um, I had like a parallel universe of traditional folk music and more Baroque and early and classical music. Um, and I found it really hard to marry the two up. So on the one hand, I could be just playing because it's all there under your fingers and it, you've learned it and it, by osmosis and all those things. Um, and then on the other hand, it would be like, oh, I've got to play all the right notes in the right order and really hard to then step away from the page have yeah. you found that because you've done you yeah know. I mean I hate learning things from the music if I can learn something by ear I'd much rather do that because in a way it's easier to learn from the music because it's there and you can just there's not that barrier to start off with it's just everything's there and you can just read it and you can play it but then you can't put the flipping music away whereas if you just put the time in and you know learn yeah. it at the beginning then you, you don't need the music at all um it really is a barrier to, to internalising the tune, I think. Yeah, definitely. I've always found it like, I don't know if it's like physical barrier, but you're just so locked to it. And it's just, the, it's such a big deal taking away a music stand. If you're coming from a more, you know, sort of <laughs> conventional, if you take the, take it away, you're just like, oh. And I know loads yeah. of people who are like more of the, I don't know, oh, say classical, that's not, you know, anyway, that's a very yeah. broad thing, but who just cannot play anything they literally they have this instrument they can play the most amazing things on but you take away the score and there's nothing there I mean mm. obviously there is something there but they don't feel like there's anything there and I, I find that mind-blowing really and like the way that you play is you've you've been like drawing in all this music and consuming it and it's like it's you that's why how you play is is Catherine Tickell you know that's it's all gone in and it, like you say you're you're taking all of that with you wherever you go so it's kind of like this whole bubble of of music it's not just I'm going to play this tune now it's it's really interesting yeah. and I also think that um for people who are from a tradition you know a specific um tradition folk tradition I'm talking about because folk music is is inherently regional so it gives you that um, beautiful thing that um, obviously, you know, when, when I'm working with, with, with kids, with young musicians, obviously somebody from uh, the Young Symphonia, for example, can go and play, go to another country and play a piece of whatever it might be, you know, little Bach or something, and, and join in, you know, play the same piece to somebody in the other country. But I also think it's so beautiful that the ones from the folk ensemble can go they can go somewhere else and not just play a piece of music but play a piece of music from where they're from and it's like so personal and and it situates you so so clearly and and then I think those specific things uh, make it actually more easy to 
to interact and to share with somebody from another place because you've got something to talk about something to exchange if you know what I mean yeah I think that's really amazing it's like your identity is in that mm. you know piece of music or the way that you perform it so you're more likely to be able to I'm thinking about a gig that I did in um, Fano in well, the Isle of Fano oh in, uh, I would love to go there oh my so god <laughs> it's amazing you would love it it's like completely remote it's loads of thatched houses and I played at this festival where it was like amazingly well funded and only 100 people only 100 tickets and mm. it god it was amazing but the so I was staying with another musician with the um vicar and the vicar was a lady who was um a part-time dream analyst and a part-time vicar <laughs> and so and her daughter was part of the they've got like a 300 year unbroken tradition of fiddle mm. playing mm. and her daughter was like her daughter was actually she was like I don't know 12 or 13 and she was like really cool and like a normal kid and <laughs> not yeah. like a, a folky do you know yeah. what I mean that like, hasn't been dragged around to yes. um Morris conventions sorry everyone but um, <laughs> um <laughs> but she she was like just normal and it was part of her life and she taught me some tunes and I I mean I come from Norfolk so unfortunately the traditional tunes from here are uh, not great but I did teach That's her like awesome. there awesome. are but you know I just find it really hard to feel those but there's like shave the donkey which is like associated with Norfolk and so I taught her that on the fiddle and she taught me some amazing um <laughs> like Danish you know fiddle tune that she was just like oh yeah here you go and so we just sat in their kitchen um and she taught me that and I was over you know I taught her a bit of some English stuff yeah like I say from my area it's I feel a bit it's a bit disappointing <laughs> tune wise I like Northumberland is and oh we're no, very lucky <laughs> you are so lucky but my great-grandmother was from Newcastle so I'm okay <laughs> it's also interesting though with, with some of those old tunes that um sometimes you just need to go back into them the ones that don't look as if they've got much to offer yeah you just go back into them and approach it from a different angle somehow yeah um and then they sometimes can reveal a whole different side to themselves which you didn't know was there yeah totally it's well, that's... hard to, to do that what to reapproach them yeah especially if you've heard people playing them and always thought mm, I'm not very keen on that tune um, yeah because you have that way of playing it in your head um it doesn't always work but quite often I'll just sit at the piano um because that's not the instrument I usually play and also you can put in little bits of you know a little bit of harmony or something or a different drone note sort of thing to just take you away from it and occasionally there's a little breakthrough of like oh okay I could play that in that way or you know or I could play it slower or I could play it with a different drone or I could really instead of going beep 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 I could really lay into it on the fiddle and um hit the other strings and bring a bit of that kind of Shetland fiddle style the ringing strings into totally. it totally oh my god like, I love oh my that. goodness now the tune is transformed but yeah. it's the same tune I love yeah. that yes yes <laughs> well that brings me on to something actually that I wanted to talk to you about which is hemiolas mm-hmm. you know where uh, so you deal with this a lot but I don't know if you think about it how much you think about it I but don't think I think about it at all but anyway <laughs> carry on <laughs> okay well I'm just I'll just for the listeners all of our hundreds and millions of potential <laughs> listeners 
Um, so hemiolis are like a musical rhythmic alteration, alter, alternation where you've got six equal notes and they're either in three groups of two or two groups of three and they happen all the time in Northumbrian uh, mm. pipe tunes and hornpipes and I think of them a lot because where I sort of learned about them is in baroque music and being a recorder player that's like mainly most of my repertoire so when I listen to your playing and you're doing like three two hornpipes I'm always listening to the whether it's in two or two groups of three or three groups yeah. of two and that just changes the entire it's you're never playing things equally it's always like you're emphasizing and it just means that every time you play it, it's a different conversation and I think that's what takes a tune from being something quite ordinary in six eight or do you know what I mean so yeah it's yeah. just that kind of alternation and different emphasis that happens all the time that is what takes something that's potentially really simple there are certain tunes. I mean, Rusty Gully is the is the classic yeah. uh, Northumbrian tune that you can play in kind of six, eight, or three, four, or you can do alternate bars. Which, going back to the original manuscript of it, um, it has got little kind of ink splodges above certain notes, and it was ages before people realised. Oh, hang on! If you accent where these little dots are, you've got this uh, really wild syncopated three, four, six, eight alternate bars. Yeah. <laughs> bit of an eye opener um so that happens you know you can do that in that tune but I think I don't normally think about how how I'm doing that I think I mean I play Northumbrian pipes so the instrument itself has no dynamic it's either on or off so it's a it's a real challenge to bring out um a rhythm you know if you've got a, a load of quavers how does anybody know that you're playing six eight or you know yeah. or real time so you have to really the the phrasing for northumbrian pipes is so crucial phrasing and gracing we don't do very much ornamentation but you know that yeah. also has to do it so i suppose i'm aware i'm doing that but it's never i'm never aware of it you just yeah play the tune. i think it's just so inherently in there with the way that you play in the instrument and the sort of repertoire and stuff mm -hmm. well i think the tunes quite often tell you what they want um so you might play it the first time through you know if you've got a manuscript or a book and you read it through and you might play what's written the first time but then play it through again and without even trying ornamentation will creep in yeah. it often tells you what speed it wants to be at um it just reveals itself and then yeah. and you can you know as i was saying earlier you can impose things upon it but quite a lot of it it just tells you what to do and those things go in without me being conscious of it I mean quite often if I'm sight reading jigs reels something like that I'll sight read them with ornamentation and the ornamentation isn't written I've never played the tune before but my yeah. fingers just do it because that's because that's what those that's tunes what do. they do yeah yeah but I do notice when you're talking about the hemiolas there's um there's certain tunes where you kind of have to tap your foot in a certain way otherwise the tune becomes very stolid so that kind of you know rather than going one two three one two three you'd go one two three one three one yeah three one and it just makes a huge difference massively the like the swedish stuff where you have the pairs yeah, of is it pairs of fiddle players i went to a workshop a million years ago and and they were doing the sort of step forward on the one and back on the three and playing the I'm doing stamping in my shed you need the stamping at one point I did get a bass drum about 
five years ago and and in my sort of house at the time I was luckily very rural which is always good um yeah. and I learned loads and loads and loads of um well I had been doing some Bulgarian tunes but I was doing loads of sort of Bulgarian and Macedonian tunes and then I was playing with my I was playing the fiddle and then my right foot on the bass drum to really kind of yeah. just whack out these kind of beats because they were such you know they're all like really interesting time signatures and things and I mm. and just really wanted to see if I could do it and I and it was just actually really powerful and interesting and fun mostly yeah, yeah. <laughs> the only thing is though you have to keep those that once you've started on that sort of stamping yeah I know tune, otherwise there's a great hole in the tune when you stop yeah stamping. it's really difficult and it's like that thing yeah like you say it's like once you're on it's a bit like with the yeah. pipes it's like once, yes. once you start playing you're there you are you're there you can't yeah. stop you can't like take a breath and and that kind of thing yeah. you're just on I mean at least with the fiddle you know because I play the fiddle as well and it's it's much easier to get the the accents in that you know you can dig in a bit more you can sometimes hit another string or something um so you can bring those rhythms out um more effectively on on yeah. instruments that do, that do have some dynamic range <laughs> yeah yeah but I mean I never ever think about the pipes as not having a dynamic range because they just are such an amazing whole sound world anyway that you never feel I, like oh that's not there that it's like yeah, no, what I is think, there is more than anything yeah. else I never feel that I don't have a dynamic range because if I'm playing a slower I can feel where the swells are and maybe nobody can hear it but I can hear it no but you can um, and it's also like the physicality of it because obviously mm. you're breathing through the bellows with your elbow mm. and the, the bag is it, do you just call it a bag what do you call it the yeah, lung? The bag, the bellows. No, <laughs> the bellows. The yeah. yeah um but it's so physical it's like you're completely wrapped up in this instrument and mm. obviously with fiddle you are as well but it's everything is like you're you're approaching the instrument you're putting things on you're putting mm. the, the bow mm. onto the string but with yeah. the pipes it's like it is it's, it's you out. breathing and it's you like I don't know I'm doing some good sort of gestures <laughs> here <laughs> but um it's very physical but also quite yeah. still it's interesting it's controlled physicality isn't it I suppose so yeah although the, the kind of bag and bellows thing that's not affected by my breathing in fact my breathing is affected by that I often find myself at the end of a tune while you're trying to um, lessen the amount of air in the bag so it doesn't kind of groan at the end. I stop breathing. So yeah, that's <laughs> not ideal. <laughs> not ideal. Uh, I have to kind of train myself. Sometimes if I'm practicing, which I don't do enough of, but um, if there's a really tricky part, I have to kind of almost practice in my head. At this part, breathe. Yeah. Otherwise, I'll just hold my breath all the yeah. way through the hard bit. Yeah, and with uh, like a wind instrument, normally you would put breath marks in or you would know the phrasing like that but when you're you know your your actual breath isn't connected to yes creating yeah. the sound yeah. that's yeah, yeah weird one it just happens it's it's kind of separate but I mean vibrato is something I use that a lot to um to make my notes to give the long notes shape yeah um, so is that like finger vibrato or is it air vibrato like how do you I don't you see this is the thing I never actually learned to do vibrato it just kind of by osmosis kind of yeah. happened I didn't know I was doing it um I think it's finger vibrato yeah yeah it is yes 
yeah. It's um, <laughs> yeah, Catherine is currently sitting with Ted Hinkins in front of her. Yeah, playing the best set of air pipes you've ever seen. <laughs> it's, it's strange because I have a very different approach to the pipes and to the fiddle or any other instrument. So with the instruments that I've learned, like fiddle and piano, you know, I did my associated board exams and things like that. Um, as well as doing my folk music, I know what all the notes are. I know what they're called. You know all yeah, of that. Yeah. Whereas with pipes, I don't think of it in that way. There are some keyed notes on the bottom of the chanter. I don't know what they are. Oh I use God. them a lot, but I don't yeah. need to know if it's a C or a C sharp. I just because I tend to use them in the tunes that I write, and it's just that one down there. Yeah. I know which I know where it is, but it's only if I was maybe trying to write the tune out for somebody else, I'd have to think, oh. What is that note? Um, <laughs> yeah. And also even having different note names, which, you know, I've been playing for over 30 years and I've just discovered that in my head, I call notes different things on different instruments. So, for example, on the fiddle or the piano, you have an, what do you have? I have to get this <laughs> right. You have an F and an F sharp. Whereas on the pipes, I have an F and an F natural. Oh, so my F on the pipes in my head is actually an F sharp because that's the, the one that everybody has. You know, you have to have it. Yeah. A special extra note to get an F natural. It's really exciting to have an F natural. Wow. And the first 10 years I played, I never had an F natural. I only had the F. So, so the F you know is I mean? sharp. It just is sharp. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when I'm playing the pipes, my F is actually an F sharp. And I would specify F natural. When I'm playing the fiddle, my F would be an F, and I would specify if I wanted F sharp. Yeah. And yet I can have those things coexisting quite um, happily in my yeah. mind. And as I say, not even realise. This is probably all a bit... Um, Brilliant. A bit, uh, <laughs> no, this is all I care about. <laughs> If, anybody, is... if you keep this bit in, everybody's going to be going, what is she talking about? No, they're going to be like, oh, my God, I just never, that's blown my mind. <laughs> the added complexity is it's not even an F at all on the pipes because I'm a transposing instrument. But anyway, oh, yeah. So what pipes, is it? What is it? Do we even is... know? <laughs> well, I would if I could work it out. But, yeah, don't um... worry about it. <laughs> that doesn't matter. doesn't matter. But I mean, I, I feel a bit like that with the fiddle and I don't like necessarily normally admit it. Well, I don't really not admit it, but because I'm self-taught on the fiddle, I never really learned what any of the notes are particularly. Yeah. And because basically I learned the cello first and I wasn't very good because I just didn't practice and sort of worked out how to play the fiddle from playing the cello with using one less finger because you use your little finger on the cello and doing that entirely by ear. And then, yeah, it's funny. I didn't learn with a teacher or with... Um, doing grades or anything on the fiddle but I did on the recorder and I did that as my undergrad and my master's so when people have asked me to do session things before like on the fiddle I'm like I don't want to say that I can't play it because I can play it I just don't mm -hmm. play it in the convention I just play it how I yeah. want to play it yeah. entirely like you said I play it for my tunes and if I get to go and be myself and working with somebody else or collaborating then I play in my own style mm. and a lot of that comes well it comes back to the sort of traditional music thing as well where you know, I learned by going around the sessions in East Anglia and a lot of it was uh, Irish traditional music. And then there was quite a lot of English as well. But I was so desperately trying to find music, which was my music because of doing the recorder stuff as well. I sort of just went further and further back. So medieval and Renaissance and 
that mm. sort of anonymous music rather than traditional music, which is also usually, well, quite a lot of it is anonymous as well. There's just a massive crossover and a <laughs> melting pot of traditional um, and anonymous and early music. And I just sort of found that I had to create my tradition from all the things that I really love and that really speak to my, me and my fingers and my heart and all those things. Yeah, I just really wished that there was something like you had maybe you get really locked in as well it's like do you ever feel like you wish you didn't have this one main area no. which is associated with you no I don't because I think because I was so steeped in that um I didn't even realize that I was playing folk music that I didn't realize I was part of a tradition you just do what you do yeah. and I was never in my early years of playing made to think of this as a a special um thing that must be played in a certain way I um I mean I knew with the pipes there were certain things you had to do in competitions that I didn't yeah. do with the rest of the time but um but you weren't no, like I, trying to keep it alive you were just doing no, it and living yes so and I and I feel very much part of that tradition absolutely part of that tradition to an extent that it makes it so easy for me to go and try other things because I never have that feeling of who mm. am I musically? I know who I am. And it gives you the absolute confidence and freedom to be able to go and try anything uh, because you've got this really um, absolutely rooted uh, base to, to kind of fly away from. You yeah. know, it's there to come back to. And, and with my own projects, I do tend to do something that's a bit out there. And then the next thing is almost always something very traditional. I don't yeah. do that intentionally. I think just looking back on what I've done, my albums, um, it's like, oh, yeah, there does seem to be a pattern. I'll kind of push the boundaries and then go, oh, it nourishes me musically. Yeah. But I also think it's really, really important that um, that people don't feel excluded from folk music and traditional music if you don't come from a place that has that tradition. Because I know from my work at the university on the folk degree course at Newcastle that um, there are you know young musicians coming on and young singers who feel really that oh but I don't have a tradition and you're trying to impress upon them that they'll find their way just as you have and mm -hmm. and in a way that can be much more interesting than just playing this sort of tune in this sort of way from this sort of place like everybody else does you know if you can find something which is bits of different traditions the bits that speak to you yeah um, and then bring in all your other influences and who you are personally. That's, you know, that's what I want to listen to. I, I want to listen to the hardline traditional. Yeah. From people who, who absolutely have that and it's authentic. But I also, I want to be surprised. I want to be uh, taken into somebody's personal musical world. I find that absolutely, that's absolutely as authentic and. Yeah, that's the point, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it is, it is that idea of, of making your own tradition and once you realize that that all the things that have gone in to you and everything you've played is what you have to offer and just mm. who you are yeah that's really empowering and it's really nice actually to hear you say that I mean I never thought that you were like funny about people not having a very uh, location-based tradition at all um if you don't connect with that like I don't necessarily connect with Hammer Dulcimer Norfolk tunes or the melodeon or the tunes that are played around here on the melodeon in in a very particular way by a very sort of specific type of 
people um it just doesn't speak to you and it doesn't and yeah it doesn't but the landscape does and mm. so much of what i do is I, unintentionally inspired by the landscape and i only realized that after people started reviewing my solo music and saying oh it's you can kind of hear east anglia in it and i was like can you i'm just like yeah. really depressed and trying to find out who i am <laughs> is my music really flat <laughs> yeah so like, what are you saying there's a, like a tiny bit of interest there's a windmill you know but um <laughs> yeah i don't know it's interesting also like finding out how other people hear your music people think i'm a folk musician or a traditional player who knows but that's not up to me so. yeah i i kind of don't think of you as a folky traditional player but I, see what's great is i just think of you as being you yeah. which is what that's great thank you. <laughs> yeah. you know well i think that of uh, you too i don't think oh you do this music when you do that or you're only doing purist hornpipes or whatever um oh. i just think everything you do makes sense it might not make sense necessarily when you're making it i don't know that i'm just oh, putting that always. personally that's how i feel about my own music <laughs> but um it yeah you don't always know like you say that you've alternated your very hardcore traditional stuff and sort of more expansive experimental projects um and you don't know that till afterwards and you look back and you're like oh yeah there's a real kind of shape to the way mm. that you work and and what you need and that you keep needing to go back to refuel on yes on that really those notes <laughs> that yeah. those combinations and i was listening to something of yours the other day and just thinking about um intervals and i don't i can't remember what it was specifically sorry i'm really rubbish with names of <laughs> tunes but um i just thought god i just love thirds i just love those step do 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 but there are certain things that speak to you in tunes and music you could just play them or listen to them on a loop forever yeah, well, i have a bit of a thing with thirds oh um, interesting your face major, is like oh yeah I have a major thirds are, a, are a, i find them a little bit smug yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah so you see i love fifths but then yeah. I, I play in the northumbrian pipes that have that drone yeah, and fiddles, obviously. And the fifth all the time. I love that. And I, I love the way that, you know, having that drone there, you can play anything. It's all linked to the drone. It's not about the notes. It's how they how they relate to that drone. I love it. Yeah. And the fact that then you can go, a lot of my tunes have, sometimes it's a major third, sometimes it's minor third, and I, I want that ambiguity. Yeah. Yes. I They're the them. best when you just don't know. And then it's yeah. like... I think I have a real problem with things being very kind of majory and happy. And I think that part of the reason I like the thirds is because it's not something I ever do. <laughs> you know, I did a snort because I was being particularly nerdy there. <laughs> anyway, I'll beep that out. <laughs> um, Leave it in. Leave it in. Yeah, no, I probably will. <laughs> um, I was reading recently as well about, um, you know, Hildegard von Bingen. Yeah. Um, I was reading about like how her music was performed oh, I should probably just say who she is so she's a 12th century nun um, mystic composer poet uh, herbalist everything a totally amazing person um, and she wrote masses of music um, and a lot of it was for her her voice and, and nuns voices basically and it's kind of quite monophonic so just like one 
line, but what they used with a lot of the singing was these huge hurdy-gurdies, like monastic hurdy-gurdies. Obviously, everyone knows what hurdy-gurdy is, so we don't need to talk about that. But the idea that there are these huge ones that resonate around these entire buildings, and then you've got that kind of bass drone of a giant. I mean, in my head, I'm imagining like the size of a grand piano, but I'm sure that's not right. <laughs> but <laughs> I'd like to hear that. Hurdy-gurdy um, of dreams. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. And then obviously you'd need some minions to, to wind the handle. Yeah. 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 Um, well, because her music really speaks to me. So I wonder if that droney thing is a part of that. I think so. I mean, she's just incredible. And I keep going back to her music all the time and taking fragments. I mean, I play that stuff all the time to myself. And I just feel like I just really, I need it and I want it in there. The idea, again, it's just this drone speaks to us so much, doesn't yeah. it? And having yeah. this root. I'm going to have to go back and listen to it. I haven't actually listened to her for ages. I'm you need to, to listen to the Canticles of Ecstasy. Okay, I will. Are you in the countryside? I absolutely am, yeah. By a Which river, that's what I've heard. By a river. Very good. Yes. Sometimes um, closer to the river than I'd like, but... Uh, oh, yeah. It's closer to us than I'd like, but... Uh, Does it, has it yeah. actually reached your house, or is it...? It's been, it's been fine. We're holding it at bay. Oh, God. My daughter builds all sorts of... Um, is she building dams? Here and there. Oh, my God. What did you do when you were little? Well, every Saturday we would build a dam, <laughs> like a little beaver. <laughs> your latest album, Hollowbone... We talked about it a little bit at the time, but it's got such a different energy. I don't know. It's just really powerful and it's it's much tighter. To me, it feels more vertical. Like the music is much more sort of punchy and mm. and has a much more powerful energy, I suppose. And it feels very much to me like, I don't know, you were really casting out some demons or something like that. Well, <laughs> Maybe not demons. I say that, but yes, I was actually. Yeah. yeah was not so much in the conceiving of the material um but certainly in the recording of it and I think the way it was recorded and the way I chose to mix it was definitely um affected by uh, my state of mind at the time which was not not good um yeah. basically my life had just kind of exploded cataclysmically um and so it was a bit you know when we're doing that stuff normally I would have been a little bit more oh, is this, you know, are my audience going to hate this? Um, but at that point, I was just like, basically, yeah, okay, just yeah. this is what I'm doing. I need to get this out there. It comes across, but like in a really positive way. Like, <laughs> Good, retrospectively. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing, isn't it? It's like you don't know, it's like the revisiting earlier traditional and really rooted music. It's like sometimes... You, I mean, you you can't make an album thinking, will people like this? You have to make the music that you really yes. want to hear and that you feel, basically, mm, because yeah. that is what you do. Um, but for me, this one just really felt like, I don't know, opened a new layer. I mean, there was a big difference in where, I, well, it felt big to me. Some, some of it actually probably was the same material, but it felt different. Um, yeah. So normally, you know, I've always had that sense of tradition in there so I've been influenced by things from the last 200 years or something like that um as, as part of what I draw from quite often you know some of them might either be written by people that I know 
or have been played already by people that I know or I'm writing music that is inspired by people and places that I know, particularly places. But with this one, um, the kind of totem for the whole, uh, totem, is that the right word? I don't know. Um, for the whole album was um, Hadrian's Wall, the many layered influences that that, that you can bring out of that. Um, so my first thing was um, the fact that you know, I live north of Hadrian's Wall and um, I've never really thought about it. It's just always there, uh, but I've never really thought about it. We weren't really taught much about it at school. You assume it was built by some Romans and there was loads of Roman soldiers there. And it was horrifyingly recent that, um, that I discovered that these uh, so-called Roman soldiers were actually from all these different um, battalions from the from the Roman Empire, which was such a huge area. So you, you're getting these lads coming over from, um, I mean, all the countries have changed names now, but basically Syria and the Lebanon and Belgium and Switzerland and all of these things. Um, and it just absolutely blew my mind. What's now very bleak, um, beautiful, wild and windswept countryside with very few people that you had thousands and thousands of, of people from all of these such different places and imagining them being, you know, can you imagine coming from North Africa and suddenly finding yourself walking along this flipping great wall in the middle of Northumberland? <laughs> they must have been wondering, like, what have Why? they done in their lives that would bring them to this, you know? And that opened up suddenly in my mind a whole new... Um, a whole new context for different influences on my music so I didn't go out looking for Syrian tunes or anything like that I just I just felt like I widened my range of possibilities somehow it's diff it's really difficult to put into words I mean I think I'd just been to the WOMAD festival in Charlton Park and on Radio 3 I often present a, a program which is uh, it's Music Planet, and it's it's music from all over the world, basically, which doesn't narrow it down much. But I was just listening to those some of those bands and idly thinking, now, why isn't my band <laughs> booked to be at this? And then thinking, oh, it's because, you know, I'm a kind of folk band and these are world music band, bands, you know, or whatever the yeah, yeah. terminology is. And then, I was, you, you, then you go on to think, well, why am I not a, a world music band? I wish it was a better yeah in that world roots uh whatever and i couldn't find a reason why i why i would be classed folk and not world because obviously we're all in the world you know it's yeah. a pretty ridiculous term um and then i thought well what would it sound like if i was still me um still with the same instruments but in a band that would be that would fit in amongst these other bands and I started thinking about that and every band I was listening to at that particular festival I was like, oh, right. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Well, my stuff could fit into this into this context really easily. Why am I not doing this? And yeah. it wasn't done as a um, as a way of getting a gig at WOMAD, uh, although that would be nice. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was call just, out to WOMAD, please. Yeah. <laughs> it was just this sudden opening of my of my kind of compositional arrangement headspace to incorporate all the, this kind of Roman wall stuff that I was just discovering and 
and the, this whole new musical context for it. And I made a playlist of, of all the, the stuff I was particularly liking. And, and then it was only when I put that together and I, we had a couple of my friends were around uh, musicians who were now in my band. We were listening to this playlist and they were, they were looking at all the similarities because I couldn't see the similarities between all these bits of music from all over the world. And they're going, no, no, you've picked things that have a very certain feel to them. And there was lots of kind of percussion, um, drums, percussion, bass, which is not something I've worked with before. And also this um, yearning quality seemed to be that everything I picked had that. There was, you know, maybe not so many of the major thirds we were talking about. No, no. But, <laughs> but just that, you know, even if it was really fast music, it still had that, oh, you know, that yeah. thing, um, which I love. Um, so that kind of was the, was the first building blocks towards me having this, this band and doing that material. Wow. Um, and because if you're going back to, you know, when the Roman wall was built, you know, it's 2000 years ago. Well, it's not, it's 1900 years ago, roughly, but um, we don't actually know what they were doing. So that gave me, you know, musically. Yeah. So that gave me so much space, you know. So I did take one piece of music that was from that era, but I mean, nobody's going to tell me oh no they didn't do it like that no well that's why know. I love early music yeah I mean like really so, really early it's just yeah. like yeah technology I do I like with this yeah, yeah of course you're a human and you're playing a fiddle or pipes they've been around as long as the wall yeah. <laughs> well actually I don't know exactly well, but no, you know <laughs> recorders have so you yeah. know oh, okay. we, we always win with the recorder but um yeah that's amazing and I can totally see it's like you've got this very like linear you know actual wall and all of the influences and all the hands that have been on that just opens up all the possibilities and that really makes sense now I mean it made sense like because I was just listening to the album and mm. I knew that it was epic and bigger and just had a different feel to mm. things that you've done before but equally I knew it was you and I it really it's got your core in it you know it's not like yeah. oh she's gone off on one or any not yeah. that I'd ever think that but you know there was no kind of sense of oh this is like obviously a, a totally different project I mean your DNA is completely in there it's just got more fire yeah. you know to what comes across and like I just feel like yes you should make always the music that you are yeah. feeling and need to make yeah. but it's just it was just really it really sort of struck me as a lot of strength in it and a lot of I remember talking to you when it just came out actually and I think you because of where you were in your head and everything it, there was a slight sort of oh it's a bit different to my normal stuff like you were explaining it to an audience who you felt mm. you had to get their approval but I mm. think do it and then people come with you is always the yeah. kind of key isn't it and yeah it I don't know it's really exciting I think it's really brilliant oh good and and I do always um try to signpost what I'm doing musically to to I'm, I'm very lucky because I have um a kind of core audience that some of them have been um with me for 30 years or something 20 years um and they don't always like what I do but they seem to go along with me you know sometimes people will come to concerts and say we didn't know what to expect we were thinking what's <laughs> she doing now <laughs> Yeah. But, but then and then they say, but we always think, you know, what's she going to do next? And it's and it's exciting. And that's why they go. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also I do try and um, 
and be very explicit about if you want solo Northumbrian Pikes, if you want to hear Rothbury Hills, which is a beautiful tune, um, this isn't the album for you. This isn't the concept. If you're happy to go a bit more rocky, you know, if you're going to have drums and stuff, yeah. give this a try. I really love it. Um, and so the name of the band, the the album artwork yeah. and everything was was meant to to kind of flag up to people this isn't pretty little northern pipe tunes yeah um but you know that's another album i have that i can do yeah. that but it's <laughs> yeah. This album. yeah so I, I and and sometimes people get upset by that you know certain gigs saying you're playing at our venue and you've just put something out on social media telling people not to come it's like no no i'm saying don't come if you want that sort of music come if you want this sort of music i yeah. want to be clear I totally get that and I think also because you've got hardcore fans and people who you know I always go back to the gathering you're really when was that 97 ish that I, album? I don't know a long time ago I think it's because that was like the first time I'd really heard you and also I was like really in traditional you know brain at that point and learning loads of tunes so if I went out thinking you were going to be playing that I mean on the one hand you don't want people to be doing the same thing forever no. because it's just not healthy as a musician you know I think it's exciting that you know to change and develop and grow and you have to and yeah not trying to justify it as no much as kind of well it's like you know with CDs it's why wouldn't you say to somebody I think this this one you'd probably like this one more than this yeah, one. yeah exactly like but when they ask you at the end of the gig yeah. they're like what do you recommend it's like, and it's like well it's like, your box of chocolates it's like well yeah. if you want milk chocolates have, oh don't have that one it's got a nut in it <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah never have that one that's the coffee one <laughs> yeah exactly but I think it's good you know signpost people and especially if you you do know some of that audience and your audience and you know that they'll be a bit like oh that's a bit whatever then you know yeah. that yeah point them at this one or the storytelling or yeah. this and or I that that's or, fine. yeah totally it totally is one of my questions was how long was it in your head before making it yeah maybe a couple of years and I didn't know what the project would be whether it would be a band or whether it would be a cd or um I didn't know what it was you know or who would be playing on it so I had the idea of the music first and strangely I had the idea of the the atmosphere of the music not any specifics uh, and that's how I always seem to work and also when we were putting the album together and also now looking at new material um I know you know somebody in the band will suggest something it's like no and they'll be, why it's like I don't this isn't right <laughs> tell you it just it's not right for this band yeah, yeah. it'd be great in my duo with Amy or in this other band that you yeah. lot play for, but it's not right for this one. And I can't tell you why. I just know. We want you to know because that's your <laughs> editing and curating and, and developing. And you have to really believe in it, whether you've written the tune and then written the piece or whether you've taken it and extracted it from somewhere. Having said that, I've just written a couple of things recently where I don't know. Um, I mean, I know they would suit this band, but I don't know how I feel about them. Um, so that's interesting mm. um so it's songs as well and I don't normally write oh songs. yeah I, was, I wanted to talk to you about songs because you've been using your voice a lot more haven't you uh, yes <laughs> does uh, it make you feel weird <laughs> it makes me feel very weird um I kind of I love the idea of singing but I'm not a very good singer so I'd rather somebody else sang the songs 
and luckily I have got other singers in the band, um, when it's something that is very personal, there's something about the person singing it that it, that it means such a lot to, and different yeah. accents as well have, have a different effect. So I'm all I'm a bit conflicted about all of that. Mm, at the it's a vulnerability uh, as well, isn't it? It's like you Very play, nice. you know, you can go and play an instrument. Yeah, I feel I think I feel similar to you. It's like I really I really want to do it, and I love the idea of it, and I mm. think I can do it. I it's don't know. Terrifying. It is. How do people do it? And then I suddenly had massive respect for every person I've ever seen play, sing, and play guitar. I oh, know. <laughs> and I thought, God, I'm such a, you know, I've always been a bit like, oh, it's a bit singer songwritery. Yeah. And you know, realize, how dare I? Something else at the same time. How, like, how yeah. do they do that? It's a bit like you have to just come to terms with who you are when you sing. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. That's a lot harder. I mean, yeah. And also, it's like with the with the pipes or the fiddle for me, I, I'm still relying on practice I did when I was like in my teens. And I did a lot of practice then. And so the technical side got yeah. sorted yeah. And so I don't feel like you know I, I do a lot of practice now but the, there was such a lot building up to it yeah and am I going to ever do that amount of practice at singing I'm not I don't but have do you time. want to and I've always wondered about yeah. this with traditional I singing love, yeah. <laughs> so I'd I love to be able to have that control but but I'm, I'm not going to I'm not but, going to practice but like traditional that. singers don't I mean do they practice no, does your dad sing. practice they do yeah, sing a well, lot he doesn't necessarily practice in the same way that I would practice something. He sings all the time and yeah. he practices, but his practicing is just making sure he knows all the words of the song. And also it's it's interesting watching the way he sings because when he's singing a, a song, he's he's never thinking about tuning or anything like that. He, he doesn't understand any of that. He just blasts it. it out. What he's thinking about always is the story and the affect the performance how's he going to get these words across and so he'll stop singing he'll start reciting a bit he'll be wandering around and you know it's yeah. just it's the performance and that's what's so gripping um I mean of course he has got an incredibly strong voice and he's been singing forever you know and it's yeah. so the amount of hours of singing that he's put in is pretty um pretty impressive but yeah it's that thing it's it's the it's the connection the communication um which is the important part isn't it in yeah. all music and that's possible. the thing it's like yeah. just using your voice in itself is enough it doesn't well, have to I think it is I think it I is I mean so. <laughs> yeah I think just do it do it and feel uncomfortable yeah I don't know I mean I feel really uncomfortable with it but that's another reason for me doing the podcast as well actually is because I've I miss um the random green room conversations that you yeah. have at festivals where you're like intense for a period of time with someone that you might know of each other but you've never met or you might have met a couple of times at different festivals and then you have like these intensive because it's a short amount of time usually yeah. I need to just be able to talk yeah I love those little meetings and I've, I've thought about that quite a few times and that thing where there's musicians like scattered all over the world who I feel very close to um and you know oh I've known them for 20 years and then you realize actually I've only met them twice yes but I feel close because we've had those um little it's like having a fling but not <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> a very non-sexual fling no but yeah. it's just like this meeting of minds and it's like the people that are most like you are the other people that are doing that mm. kind of thing and they're going to understand the kind of madness of 
getting up and flying somewhere and being home within 22 hours or 24 yeah. hours yeah. and the intensity of going from silence of your hotel room to on mm. stage to talking to people to back home and then they're like oh what just happened but it, during yeah. that time that you would normally like I don't know make your dinner and watch yeah. a film or something <laughs> you can you have like these crazy like moments of intense conversation with people you know yeah. that you can actually relate to so it's like condensing what would normally be a year's worth of getting yeah, to like know a year of friendship you just do it in like three yeah. hours like when we saw each other um when oh, I don't know when it was a few was, years ago yeah immediately it was straight into the and it was and I know why am I telling her all of this? I know. Well, I felt that with you, and I was like, "Oh, that's weird. We're gonna record a tune, and your Catherine Tickell is in my old bedroom <laughs> at my parents' house." That was all very strange, but you yes. know, that's fine. It was, yeah, it was like intense. I did feel slightly bad because I had some friends there that I just completely ignored, but I was like, "I see them all the time. When will I get to talk to you?" Like, <laughs> where we just get to go, "Oh my god, I know about things." Yes, it's just absolutely. And I, you know, I consider you a friend, even though we don't see each other. And I know, all those me, too, things. me too, we do. Yeah, it's just we like, bypassed all the, yeah, all we don't the, need uh, that shit, yeah. <laughs> exactly. We don't need that. And then we just have a conversation and let everyone else hear it as well. So that's fine. Yeah. I don't know how relevant this is, but I'm going to ask it. Okay. Can you describe your current studio space or practice space setup? Do you have what? <laughs> yes. I thought that might be the reaction. <laughs> do you I imagine uh, you wandering around the garden and upstairs and downstairs just playing wherever you happen to be am I right well, yeah I don't have a studio space I don't okay. have a do you have a music stuff. room is it your whole house uh, no it's just the, the kitchen I mean yeah. everybody the kitchen is the best things, don't they? um yeah. I do have a little bit um because for the radio three program um normally I in the old days in the before times I used to go down to London and record and then through lockdowns they made me record from my house which was terrifying because I'm hopeless with technology um and then there was all the thing about deadening the sound so did I had a little sit under a duvet in the corner I, did. I had you know those um like clothes oh I knew you were gonna say thing. yeah, things. <laughs> yeah. So I had one of those like air drying racks with a duvet over the top and yeah. I used to crawl into it. It's still, I've made it slightly better now. It's now hooked over a bookcase. It's just behind me. Um, <laughs> so it's still got the duvet over and um, a microphone inside. So I'd crawl in um, and get myself all set up with my microphone that the BBC had sent me and and do that. But <laughs> occasionally you'd be on like Twitter or something and I'd see another Radio 3 presenter doing some little kind of shot of them do presenting from their home studio. Yeah. I was thinking, oh my goodness, if people could see what I'm doing oh, here. Yeah. Like my 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 attempt at a home studio is utterly laughable. And then occasionally, if the cat had got into the room yeah. and I hadn't realized that, and suddenly she'd jump onto the duvet and then suddenly <laughs> my whole little tent would collapse around my ears. <laughs> well, this, yeah, it sounds like happened. a cozy space. <laughs> and my friend yeah, um, yeah. Jennifer Jennifer Lucy Allen does um, Lake Junction, and she had very mm. similar. So she was in her house at the time in South oh, End, good. and she was she had made a clothes horse like crawl space <laughs> with a duvet yeah. and some blankets. So you were definitely not alone. And once I knew oh, that, good. I was just listening to everybody presenting and imagining everybody 
in yeah. a, like under the duvet on the bed or wherever. Yeah. I know Sarah Moore Peach did the same thing as well. That she had oh, just, good. That makes uh, me feel better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Definitely wasn't just you. So um rehearsals and playing at home, I just might sit in the living room because that's where the piano is. If I'm trying to think about um arrangements and and ways into to tunes or just poodle around in the kitchen. Um yeah. But yeah, recording, that's... do you normally do that in a studio or like on location? Yeah. You don't do that at uh, home? No, it would be in a studio. I don't know enough about it. Because I do a lot of stuff like going to other places and I like having everything in my bag that I can just press record and capture the space as well. So I have got like the most simple setup and I've released several albums using that and it's... yeah. And it works. It, well, and I think I'm it really, does work. It does work. Yeah, and totally. I'm really envious of that. And then just put it in a church and stand at one end. Yeah. I have been thinking, you know, all through lockdown, oh, so many people, you, she I'm says, sorry. you <laughs> have been, you keep popping up and it's like, oh, bloody hell, Laura's done, done another thing. Um, and so many people have really used the time and the space to, create things and compose things I've just I just hibernated I did nothing and it was uh, but I did think about things that maybe I should have been doing and or could have been doing <laughs> didn't at all just yeah. sat well, I think you just have to um, do what you have to do but one of the things that did come out of that is that maybe I should do something just with the pipes um going into different places and playing you know in in that space there's a lovely little church um heaven field it's called and it's it's got no electricity i don't think i just remember it's one that i drive past all the time and then one time um before before lockdowns and everything i just happened to be coming back from newcastle and ha happened to have the pipes in the car so it's like okay i'm not in any rush nobody's waiting for me at home went up to the church and played and oh it was so lovely yeah um but then the thing is i just want to play slow things do it beautiful acoustic I'm also quite interested in that whole idea, which you do, um, of playing with the acoustic and, you know, more improvisational stuff, but I'm scared of that. Um, what are you scared of? Improvising yeah. like that? Because all I want to do if I'm in improvising is just make some nice sounds. Yeah, but why? Uh, what? I always feel like if you're improvising, you have to go and do some flipping great flashy bit in the middle and I don't you want to do that absolutely do not okay here is your mission <laughs> I want you <laughs> to just go mm. into a building on and record on your phone have you got a phone with a mm -hmm. recording thing and just record yourself doing what you want to do nothing mm. flashy nothing that you think you're supposed to do literally just go and play anything that you feel that's yeah that would be amazing do that mm. please do you know also the thing is that the thing that I don't like about a lot of improvisation is the fast flashy bit in the middle I wish they'd just not yeah, do but it who, who are you listening to I mean there's I'm not amazing doing that at the moment because <laughs> you don't, <laughs> you don't, like, it. don't yeah, like it fair enough you need to listen to I'm going to send you some people to listen to who do like really really long like drones on church organs with little tiny yeah. changes really slow moving I just I mean I would honestly I'd be all over that album or track if you just played let it come yeah. out it would just be so amazing people would love it but apart from people <laughs> I would love it and you would love it 
I might. And there but is then... no kind of right. You don't have to play a tune. You don't have to do. Uh, it's not like a a showy improv. It's like mm. getting right into the core and simplicity and just the tiniest oscillations and minutiae. <laughs> you know. If I did something like that, I know what would happen. I would bring the thing, I'd get the recording home and then I'd want to play over the top of it and I'd want to add all of these layers because that's the that's the bit I love is the adding, you know. I well, love why don't you do that then? Uh, hmm. Because, you know, with the pipes having the drone, yeah, you can't just, you know, if it was the fiddle, you could play a bit, then let the silence echo and you could get in and edit it easily with the pipes. You have that drone it's really hard to you can't really edit you just but have to do you have. need to edit why do you need to edit well, i don't know i haven't done it well exactly you haven't <laughs> made you. a thing and you're already talking about editing i know it. i might edit so, yeah. some of this <laughs> not really no but i think that's the thing it's like uh, one of the first solo album that i did um quick sparrows over the black earth i prepare i spent maybe a year and a half going from being in a band to trying to find out who I was and what I could do and I you know would go around all these churches and I, I found it really hard really 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 difficult and I made myself improvise and I didn't really know what that was and some of it made me feel a bit sick because I had this idea of what I thought improvising was mm. and then I was like I just need to play what happens if I just play I know this instrument I know me what happens yeah. if I just play some music and notes and it, obviously things come out that make you go oh <laughs> you know that's not what I was expecting or what I like but eventually I had enough I kind of put a folder of ideas together and sketches and things and then I went to do the recording and I forgot the folder and I but I had all the recording equipment and my instruments and I just thought oh well I guess I'm here I might as well mm. just do something I made that whole album completely with nothing you know like everything had gone in it was like everything had gone in then I threw it all away and then what came out I kind of just had to own and that's when people started sort of noticing my music whereas I'd been working for 10 years before that playing festivals arts festivals doing sort of sort of more early music show on Radio 3 and you know more sort of art centres and things like that and that was sort of going along, it was ticking along, but once I completely stepped away from that and just let it be whatever it was, it was just completely crazy and liberating and weird. I think for me, especially with the pipes, well, just generally, you know, that, that melody is, is so much, you know, as a piper, it is, you can play it in on ensembles, obviously, but yeah. it is quite a solo tradition and it's a very self-sufficient instrument. And it's all about you play the tune, a tune um, that has a certain structure and does a certain thing. And there is that kind of just absolute depth of tradition. And, and I'm so used to playing a tune. Yeah. And a tune that makes sense and a tune that is good enough to be taken on by other people. Um, that the thought of just, I mean, I think I could do something really nice going in and tootling around for a bit. I could do one track of that, but I mean, would anybody listen to a whole yes. album of me just tootling? I completely <laughs> guarantee they would. Hmm. 
Yeah, flown like, your mind. Maybe an, maybe an EP. I might have a Make think an about EP it. and I'll put it on my label. <laughs> you might be on there. Watch this space. Well, let's see. Let's see. In a yeah. year's time. Let's see if I've done it. No, like in a month. Oh. <laughs> I'll let us copy all that's over the computer. I know. That's how I get things done. I'm like, right. <laughs> let's do it. Well, that's how I am with other people. Yeah. Like if, if, if I was telling you to do something. I'd, I know. I'd You'd be like, I want to see it next week. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. So let's do that to you hmm. now. <laughs> hmm. yeah, it's not so good when it comes to me. It's good though. It's it's good to be to be pushed because, I mean, the the other thing is there's so many different things that you. I mean, one could do. It's like, how do yeah. you know which bit to do? And 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 it is quite. Um, it's often quite coincidental that oh, I'm doing this because Laura made me. Or, yeah, yeah, <laughs> or totally. Or I'm doing this because um somebody had a day free in the studio and somebody else was around or you know so maybe yeah totally it's all about improvisation it's like it's improvisation in conversation and Mm. in music and it's like even the smallest I just think improvisation is not one thing obviously but it's Mm. like even in the smallest interpretation or decision or non-decision that you make in something you're playing has can you know have the effect of it can change your trajectory i'm just thinking about this album that i made with rodri davis davis mm-hmm. the um he's a welsh harpist who does experimental and you know yeah. a lot of drone stuff and he does a lot of stuff that sounds kind of like is it the you know the african chora is it that yeah. sort of harp instrument yeah. and it's, it's like very continuous playing and he does this absolutely amazing stuff and i kind of got to know him in about 20 11 that was a while ago and uh, I was invited to do a Snape artist residency in Suffolk and um, I thought I, I kind of wanted to step away from what I had been doing so I, I invited him and his influence on everything that I've done was insane he made me he said right I think so we had a week together we hired in a a concert full pedal concert harp and then he got out these two cello bows and just started playing the mm-hmm. harp with two bows so he had this and on really low strings so imagine you know like piano strings yeah. being just amazing and then he he gave me some words from Sappho from fragments of Sappho the Greek poet and said okay sing and I was just like what are you talking about I don't do singing and he just said just try something and I was like I've got literally no idea and he just (laughs) take the words loop them just sing one word stretch it out do something just do something and and then I I did something (laughs) you know and then we recorded this stuff and and I ended up it ended up it got played on Radio 3 quite a lot that song like more than any of the sort of instrumental pieces it was like the beginning of all that kind of improvisation for me knowing that you don't have to do all the kind of squeaky blowy improv things you can improvisation can mean taking something like a ground bass or six notes from a tune and slowing them down over a really long period of time that's improvisation you know and all these things and so him doing that and then saying to me okay I think because we had a gig in the Albert Festival as part of it as well and um, he said okay so let's do a song and I was just like he was so calm which is completely crazy but I did it and I've been able to do it since but obviously then I found my own way of Mm. 
you know, like having skeleton scores or skeleton things in my head that then I can sort of disregard or I have a shape that then I can improvise and play around. But that kind of thing, like you say, you know, it could just be one or two things or a situation or circumstance that can totally change the way that you play, the way that you think about, you know, your output as well. And I think there's room for all of it. But I it's think just... I would like to have little um, moment, little oases of, of tune in amongst yeah. the desert of improv. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> so like I always find like having some sort of boundary for myself is good. So playing two recorders together because I wanted something more than just a tune because yeah. you're very limited in terms of that unless you just play overtones and stuff, which I don't want to do all the time. But if I've got two recorders, then I've got a drone and yeah. I've got, you know, a tune or I've got a little bit of sort of parallel moving that I can do. Um, and then with the fiddle doing the overbow yeah. um, stuff means that I can just make the most out of one person playing that I can, for me anyway. And again, get that droney sound coming Exactly. In, it? It's all about the drone. But I mean, yeah. imagine, like with the sort of Hildegard stuff, you know, that huge monastic hurdy-gurdy and then little moments of melody and like I'd love to hear you doing that hmm. Hmm. <laughs> anyway that's okay, moving on. Moving on. <laughs> goodness me <laughs> um right I'm just gonna ask you a couple more things oh this is a good one uh have you ever had any tricky situations on tour oh. <laughs> do you want to talk about them or not um, well you know there's so much of it that you just are so used to that it doesn't even seem uh noteworthy and yeah. you know there's looking what's coming out now with the kind of me too and all the kind of there's this on the folk scene there's quite a lot of young women standing up and um sharing their experiences and and part of it is horrific and part of it is me going oh is that oh, not normal <laughs> yeah that's that's just like I've been dealing with that for years and then you think yeah but hang on but I shouldn't have been but yeah. you know 20 years ago you didn't say anything and so it's great that people are but it's it's kind of strange to get my head around and also to it's easy to beat yourself up about it to think well why didn't I 25 years ago stand up and make a fuss but times and times have changed thank yeah goodness. because nobody um, listens or would yeah, have, it would right. have just been very different yeah maybe. um yeah um so of course this stuff I mean when I first started playing professionally I was only 18 and you know I'm quite old so there was no mobile phones I didn't drive so I was on public transport without a phone um playing at folk clubs where usually you know certainly I was just at the very beginning of my musical um career so you, you never stayed in a hotel you stayed with either the folk club organizer or somebody associated oh, with a friend of a friend of a friend yeah. yeah and you know and I was at one I remember where I said just before I went on um oh whereabouts am I staying tonight and they went oh uh, and they'd forgotten about it and they basically raffled me off 
they ask oh, the audience, you know, does anybody got a room? To oh come my from? God, that and is I'm awful. Thinking, oh my God, this is this. I can't believe this. It was the most uncomfortable thing. Jesus. And, um, and luckily, actually, on that one, um, a couple volunteered to have me come to stay with them, who'd never had anybody from the, the club come to stay with them. But their dad played Northumbrian pipes and okay. they kind of did it for him. They thought, you know, dad wouldn't let us, wouldn't want us to just watch her go off. God, that's awful. You know, into the darkness I mean... with somebody. Yeah, so that one was great. But there are other ones where I yeah. did go and stay places and, and it was extremely dodgy. Um, usually it was great, you know. I've yeah. had the experiences. But it's just the lack of control over what's happening to you and also being 18 and and I was a very innocent 18 you know um my parents had no idea what they just thought oh it's music it's like traditional folk music it's going to be lovely and it's only in the last few years I've told them a couple of things that went on they're absolutely horrified and but yeah I didn't have a clue absolutely not a no clue. but also it's like you're putting yourself in the trust of so many people yeah. and it's like these things don't get spoken about because on the one hand what you're doing is other people's entertainment it's like yes. you're doing something you really care about and believe in and have dedicated your life to the people maybe running a folk club or a venue or a festival or whatever they're doing it for maybe they get paid or but mostly they don't depending on the yeah. genre of music the people coming to it are they like buying into having a an experience and you know they're getting something from it but everything is sort of around the idea that it's lovely <laughs> you know yeah. it's like you're doing yeah. this lovely thing and you've got this lovely job and it's like the things that are really difficult about it uh you can't you just never feel like you can really speak about because you feel lucky or yeah that you're you're I mean in a lot of ways we are you know we're in a lucky position but the luck comes from 20 years of really hard work as well yeah. and of scraping by um and I know and I was saying to um Luke Abbott in the first podcast I was I was just saying you know if people didn't I was having a bit of a crisis about like why am I doing this everything it just feels so difficult at the moment because of you know pandemic yeah. war people yeah. being ill blah 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 all the awful difficult things that we're all dealing with it just feels like really hard to kind of feel the value of what you're doing and especially yeah. if you're like working on your own it's like talking about yourself is just horrible it's like you feel like you're completely a complete narcissist you know you yeah. feel like you're going oh, look at this thing I did look at this thing and it's like yeah. um I don't want to be doing that in the sense I, I wouldn't be doing that to my friends I want I feel like if anyone follows me on Twitter or Instagram and those things hopefully they're following me because they're interested in the stuff I'm making so I'm not just pissing people off by talking about myself <laughs> and the problem is that for some people that's where they go for socializing and some people that's where they go yeah. to do their work so that's like a tricky thing but I was just saying that I just felt like how do you keep making things and feel like it's valuable at the moment and my husband Andre actually said imagine if we couldn't watch storage wars or imagine if people that made all the programs and stories and radio shows and everything that we listened to if they didn't make them because they 
felt like it was an inappropriate time to be making yeah. things then we everyone would be so even more depressed so in so many ways it's like really really valuable and sometimes it's just really hard to see the value of what you're doing and then occasionally you'll get people saying this is really this means so much to me that being able to listen to this or you know that that you've made this kind of thing so it's a real job obviously you know being yeah, a musician is yeah. a very seriously a real job and it's not life and death but it is very it's crucial to our sort of selves and our well-being both as a maker of music and as a sort of listener or consumer I suppose but my point <laughs> is that when you're doing all these things because so many of what the gigs and touring and stuff like that that you're doing is is a one-off there's there is no there's no union for that there's no HR for that there's no there's nobody you can tell or talk to particularly and you can get into these really weird bizarre situations where all these people are helping you and doing you a favor by picking you up from the mm. airport or whatever and you know and it, it's really hard especially I think when you're like 18 and and or even like the first 10 or 15 years really of really sort of building your career it's you can't you know what you can't tell anyone or you can tell people but nobody where it's going to make a difference because yeah. you're so worried about not you're being professional which is like this insane idea that you I only recently realized that in my head like being professional means not saying how you feel yeah you know yeah. so it's like up on time and and don't piss anybody off yeah and be really nice be nice to everyone and yeah. also perform and it, it's just yeah. I don't know it feels weird well, talking about it because it is like such a good thing but it's also hard yeah. we're, we're still humans <laughs> you know without yeah. it being like we're special or anything it's just that we're doing this thing that means that other people can experience this thing I don't know it, sorry it went a bit heavy there didn't it yeah no it definitely <laughs> makes a huge difference being on tour with somebody else whether it's another musician or a sound engineer or just somebody that you can even just to be able to lift an eyebrow out if something's yeah. kind of and just to know that there is that connection there's um, some support there yeah yeah because and and certainly you know when I was 18 I you know I'm rubbish at small talk now I was even like you know 100 times worse when I was 18 <laughs> I was just socially not very um not great really because uh, you spent your whole time playing the pipes I think yeah, that's possibly. why you know we've all just spent so long yeah, yeah. playing an instrument and that's how we yeah. communicated and even socializing you'd be playing in a pub yeah. learning tunes that's right and then you're sitting and talking you're in somebody's house um staying there at, you know and so they're doing you a huge favor and and I still occasionally get people very very rarely but occasionally I'll get somebody who goes oh yeah I remember meeting you uh, however many decades ago when you were you were just 18 you know you were really um we were all having a bit of a laugh because we thought you were in a bad mood because you were really kind of cold and standoffish you must have been having a bad night and I've thought do you know I probably wasn't I probably was absolutely feeling so uncomfortable because I wanted to be being nicer and I didn't know how to do it and yeah. It kind of breaks my heart for, for that 18-year-old kid who was absolutely doing her best, just just was totally socially inept, you know. But <laughs> yeah. because I could get on stage and talk about the tunes, yeah, 
they thought that I was going to be like that the whole time and and, yeah. and I didn't have anything else to say I didn't no. feel like I was interesting um apart from the music I, I thought you know it's almost like I don't exist when I'm not playing the pipes which is a weird thing to say but that's yeah. how you feel oh no Sorry, totally <laughs> no yeah yeah okay that was we won't ask that question then <laughs> I just meant, ah, uh, has your car broken down? No, not really. <laughs> no, it's all, it's all valid. And yeah, it is important. And that other people realise that, you know, that's how it is. And maybe if I'd spoken out about it more at the time, then some of these other people that are coming on after me might have gone But oh, I think the whole point is that you can't because it is so case by case. And it's like, mm. I remember in the back of what magazine, uh, maybe the Musicians' Union magazine and they had a list of promoters that they say talk to the union before yes. having anything to do with these people and I was like that's a bit weird and then I had experiences with people and I thought oh my god that's what they're talking about this kind of thing yeah. oh oh okay let's sage the room sage the yes. room everyone <laughs> I'll ask you something really nice sorry about that no not sorry but you know I don't think there's anything we could have done earlier though is what I think apart from being a completely different personality which obviously you can't do no you know, my, my personality was was that and and you also you build up um you know when you're traveling on your own and you're going sorry i'm going back into it again no now. no go for it it's fine yeah and especially with folk clubs they were usually in pubs and if you're on public transport you can usually get a train that'll get you there at five or at eight and eight o'clock's too late yeah so you're right five you've got a load of stuff to carry so you just go straight to the venue which is the pub and it's and you ask is this where the folk club is and they say yes it's upstairs but the room's locked nobody's going to be here for another two hours yeah and you're sitting in some kind of inner city pub in you know in some place you don't know with all the kind of daytime drinkers yeah and you very soon learn and you're there like 18 year old girl on her own um, and you very soon learn to put the barriers up and it's and it's a it's a physical thing you can signal to people that you do not want I've them done to that my you. whole life I've literally done that with my clothes with every time I go anywhere to do with music or gigs or festivals yeah. I basically over be sort of over friendly or something and or I don't mean you know like over friendly like one of the guys kind yeah. of thing and I absolutely pretend I'm not a woman mm. just yeah. like close yeah. off that entire thing and only go yeah. with the music and I've only realized to what extent I've done that like probably over the last few years and what a toll actually it's taken because of all the issues and because of the there have been some really creepy people there have been lots yeah. of amazing people too blah 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 but there have been some really creepy people and they're the people that stick out in your mind and it just it totally makes you like batten down the hatches doesn't it and it but shouldn't then, be like that really no it shouldn't but the the, the thing that I didn't realize is that when you do that a lot it becomes your default setting so if I feel awkward you know if I'm in a social setting uh should there be any such thing <laughs> yeah. if I'm in a social setting and I and I'm not in a great conversation with somebody if I'm just stood on my own I don't go outwards and look because I, I do the shutdown thing and I don't even know I'm doing it 
yeah and of course nobody comes to speak to you and then you have a bit of a crap time because nobody's speaking to you yeah but nobody comes to speak to you because you're sending out these vibes that go keep away I don't need you I don't want you just stay away from me and you yeah. don't know you're doing it I mean my close friends um people in the band kind of laugh at me and they're going like oh look at her she's got the she's got the barriers up again it's like oh, oh no <laughs> Yeah. And I don't mean we have a laugh about it, but I didn't realise how much that has become just my default setting. And it's awful. I don't want to be like that. No. But you have to. Travelling alone as a, you know, you know, well, yeah. I was going to say young woman, but any woman, really. Yeah, totally. And there have been times where I'm like, uh, yeah, like getting the plane from Norwich to Amsterdam and then to wherever, because that's like the nearest place. And just like that's a really small aeroplane there's like two seats on each side and just I remember you know I've had conversations with people and I'm just like I just don't want to talk to you I don't want to talk to you I'm sitting right next to you you're like it's only a half an hour flight and so you feel like you can be more friendly and talky and then I think partly because of being a musician and partly because of growing up like my parents run an antique shop I'm always trying to make sure the other people are okay so I'm always like tr- going a bit above and beyond rather than always shutting down. It's like, that's what I mean. Like I go slightly the other way and pretend to be more interested in people than I am. It's <laughs> <laughs> just <is> awful. <laughs> but um, yeah, not all people, but you know, and I've just had these sort of like, I remember getting off the plane in Norwich and I'd parked there and then I was driving home Now it was like an hour home because I was, living like by the sea at that point and this bloke who'd been sort of talking at me on the only half an hour flight um came out of the airport as tiniest airport ever and he was just like oh which way are you going and I was like well I'm I'm going to my home kind of like and he was like oh I just really need to get a lift into Norwich because I was going through Norwich and he was like I really need to get to the train station and it was just like I felt so much pressure because we'd had a conversation yeah I did give him a lift it was really stupid Mm. really stupid it was like a two mile drive but I just felt like I shouldn't have done that I know I shouldn't have done that and I I felt completely weird and like there was like no taxis no buses because it was like in the middle of the night and I was just it's like why did I feel why did I do that you look back at those things and there's and there's quite a few of them and this makes me feel a bit you know, sick quite a few where, <laughs> I know there's quite a few where I look back and it's like my life could have flipped at that point my life could have gone in it and I've been lucky yeah um, I think I have and I've had some really things. horrible weird yeah. situations and also yeah. like people mistaking enthusiasm for music for enthusiasm for them oh I know about that one <laughs> so yeah. fucking hell Jesus just it's like no I'm just for once like, my barriers are down I'm being friendly it's like yeah. oh no uh, maybe no. I'll put the barriers back up again yeah exactly <laughs> oh that's why we have to put it all in our music as well and I, I yeah. you know you've got friends that you can they can see when your barriers are there and and yeah. help you <laughs> take yeah. them down and that's I think it's better it's to very have... recent though very recent that it's even been something that can be discussed or um you know and the fact that we can laugh about it now is is great but it's taken a long long time yeah I'm pretty I'm pretty brittle I think with people I don't usually let them in 
Mm. So I think that's why we get on though, because yeah. we're both like, yeah, <laughs> open, very open, but also very yes. not open. Many yes. thanks. <laughs> well, I'll ask you something much nicer. Oh yeah, do you ever? Uh, okay, two two questions, and then I'll let you go back to your Arga. Rayburn. <laughs> Rayburn. I'm sorry, you're gone. Right. <laughs> oh yeah, okay. One of them is: Do you have like a favorite acoustic or venue or space that? you've played in or that you want to play in? Bathrooms and churches are always the best. Um, it doesn't seem to really matter which church it is, although the one I was talking about earlier on, um, about Heavenfield Church in Northumberland is just so beautiful. It's so tiny um, and, and sounds lovely. Um, so that's one place. The other one actually that I want to go back to is I was driving up the A68 over the border up into Scotland and there was this building it's, and I think and it's a mausoleum it's the I think it's called the Monteith Mausoleum and uh, I was with a friend who said um, oh go in there let's have, have a look at that and I had the pipes in the back of the car and it was this really weird thing it's like a, a really tall tower thing with a I'm trying to get this out of my memories really tall there's not very much space inside of it and it's the tomb of this this man um Mr Monteith I assume I'll have to look this up I should have looked yeah this up they will have a look as well you were gonna ask that. <laughs> but um I played the pipes in there and I loved it um something just about that really small but very tall um space um yeah now that i would love to go back there and record if, if i'm going to do my kind of um well, yeah, improv so. thing <laughs> that would be a great place to do it the only thing is it's open to the public so when i was um oh, you just have to make a sign <laughs> make a sign that says please do not enter recording in progress and i always just have that on a bit of string in my car and then i pop it on all right Ah, people okay. don't mind, and I do usually if I have to ask the church warden or whoever. Yeah, um, yeah. But usually for five minutes or yeah. ten minutes or half an hour. Most I think. I mean, that's really what. Mind. That's what we did. I think I put something on Twitter or something. It got loads of people looking at it, and it because it looked fantastic. And there was a little kind of stained glass dome or something with stars wow. at the top. It was so fantastic, and I could have, if it wasn't for the fact that it's only about you know six foot wide and people wanted to come in um I could have stayed in there for hours just playing long notes yeah oh my <laughs> god isn't it funny yeah. how you get these sort of feeling you can you get sound memories or a memory of a feeling of a sound mm. or of a space yeah. I get yeah. that when I think about like I played a few times in Bergen in Norway and in the atrium to this um art gallery well I played in the actual I played in a festival but then every time I walked through the atrium I was like but this has got the best sound of all of them mm. so mm. And, and then eventually they invited me back there just to record in the atrium and right. I haven't actually done anything with those recordings maybe I should look into that but but it was just like oh my god just the air the Norwegian air and mm. the mountains mm. out of the window and that sound is just like if yeah. I'm ever feeling you know when people are like you know if you're meditating and stuff and stuff and you're trying to go to a place that feels 
really special. I never manage it, so. No, mm-hmm. I don't normally, but I just it just occurred to me that that would be a good place to think of if I could. Maybe I only, yeah, maybe I only, maybe I manage that in the music, but not any other time. Just yeah. thinking about um, that thing of playing in places, though. Um, something that I do every now and again um, is if somebody's moved house, uh, it's just to pipe the house in. Which oh, is, do you? Wow. Yeah. Um, and it's it's just something I've grown up with. You know, we moved house quite That's a lot. That's amazing. Younger. And so um, I remember when we lived in Tynemouth, one of my mum's relatives, um, I think it was John Robson, came round and piped the house in. And and I've always kind of done it whenever I've moved as as, a, as an adult. I mean, obviously I could do it myself, but I like another piper to come and do it. Yeah, yeah. And I do it for friends. Um, wow, I've never and, heard of that ever. Oh, right. But so mum recently moved house and I played and for, for her people I know well I'll play in all the rooms um and it's funny you just get this feeling of like oh this tune and then you go and sometimes you end up playing a tune that so like, why on earth has this tune come out now and just I don't know what it is and actually um at mum's uh, piping in my daughter who's learned is, is learning the pipes um, I thought, okay, it's you know, it's for a gran. I'll I'll get her to come along and play as well. And I said, okay, you go into that room and play, and then into that room. And then she chose a different tune. And I said, why did you choose that tune? And she said, I don't know. It just felt right. And I went, yes, that's wow, my girl. <laughs> she's doing it. She's yeah. taking on the tradition. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah, so like it's two that. of you to hire out your services for yeah. piping in now. <laughs> Uh, the family business uh, yeah that's yeah. amazing I've just never heard of it obviously I've heard of like piping in haggises and that's really magical amazing. I got Arthur Anderson to to do it when not the house I'm in now but the house before um got him to go and get his pipes out and play in the living room for me just so that wow. it was and also it's not even just with the pipes when my in that particular house um when my brother first came over to visit I hadn't played the fiddle in the house at that point and he was saying, like, come on, let's get the fiddles out and play something. And it was it was a, a definite, like, what is going to be the first tune that we play in this house? And he thought of it and it was and it was the right thing. Um, so, yeah, there's there's definitely something about sending those musical vibes out into the atmosphere of the room. Anyway, that all sounds a bit woo woo. But yeah, but know. I don't think it is whatever the woo woo thing really is. Yeah. I think just do what you like that is yeah. totally magical though I'm gonna have to pipe in everything from do. now on I'm sure it works with other instruments as well but maybe not <laughs> oh god now I don't know it's a bit like having to put salt over your left shoulder or break the oh, eggshells yeah. so the witches can't fly away in them break the eggshells oh really yeah. I don't know about that one. Oh dear <laughs> so if you have like boiled eggs you have to make yeah. sure that the eggs the shells are completely broken because otherwise witches can make them into boats oh. and they can fly away I've never done that oh well I do oh. that one every day <laughs> well every day I have a boiled egg anyway okay that's just as normal to me as the piping in though yeah Okay. Your face is like, mm, she's a bit weird. <laughs> That's fine. I quite like fine. It. I do it. I'll do it next time. Well, you'll have to now because now you know it's like walking under a ladder, you know. Do you ever say that you're proud of yourself? Every time I do a new album, I usually, you know, I'm really loving the music and I'm really excited by the music. It doesn't feel like I'm proud of me. It feels like I'm proud of the music. Yeah. And then, of 
course, as soon as the album comes out, I've lost interest and I'm on to the next thing. I know, mine came out on Friday. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'm over it now. It's not yeah, mine anymore. It's exactly. for everyone else. <laughs> exactly. But I do get that that excitement about new yeah. music um, that I've created or that I'm involved in. I love that. Um, I have um, been really excited about things that have happened, and but more in a kind of slightly shocked way. It's yeah. Like, oh my goodness. That uh, was me. This happened to me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I always feel like, I suppose maybe this is being proud of myself, but I get the feeling a lot I wish my grandparents had seen this because they would have been proud you know yeah um, I get that which one. maybe is me displacing my own pride and that's pretty yeah. close at least yeah. you're seeing that it is something worthy of being like yeah yeah that's yeah. really nice okay I'm gonna ask you just one final thing do you have any mantras or sayings that you say to yourself or to other people have faith in yourself is is the the, the one thing um have faith in yourself and does it feel real to you or do you feel like you're playing a part um if it feels real to you then you're on the right track yeah that's really good really nice yeah that's it's about being really sort of honest isn't it and yeah I think people can see through when you're not really being genuine yeah. with yourself yeah especially in music <laughs> you know it's really hard to hide but yeah. um oh that's really nice and actually also thinking about things that I would say to other people and also that obviously that I think are important to myself because I'm involved in the you know in the university in, in Newcastle so I'm quite often um doing assessments of people which is a really hard thing to do um and I've tried to impress upon them the the importance of connection um so it's communication but actually it's it's less about how you communicate it's, it's about that connection and that's i can get away with um you know a tune you know maybe you've gone a bit scratchy on the fiddle or you've made a little mistake if you are connecting with me and if i really feel that you are through your music and through your stage presence speaking to me um, and it doesn't when i say stage presence it, it doesn't have to be something very professional it's professional in inverted yeah. commas yeah but it just has to feel genuine that you have a connection to that particular tune or song and I want to know how it makes you feel and why you want to play it to me not maybe that explicitly but that's yeah. what I want to get from them and if that happens I'm going to enjoy the tune so much more than just some random tune played really well by somebody who's got no connection to it yeah who's learned it from the CD and you know yeah I'm not really bothered about that no no one cares <laughs> but yeah it's that having real conviction isn't it yeah and knowing also that everybody has got a voice everybody's mm. got their own voice so you can have a line of people playing the same tune did you do piping competitions I certainly did yeah and did you all have to I mean we did them like county music competitions with um and I was always in the recorder sections you know doing mm. telemann and whatever but um, I'm imagining it's similar to that where you sign up for a different classes and have different repertoire. Is that right? It depends on the competition. You know, there was competitions in Rothbury Festival, Annick Gathering, Newcastleton, Morpeth, um, the Northumbrian Piper Society competition. And they, they had kind of different requirements. So some would say you had to play a tune with variations, which is a particular type of um, Northumbrian piping repertoire. 
Um, but you didn't write the variations, did you? They no, were no, the variations that were there. They're existing pieces yeah. that, that are known to be kind of part of that yeah. repertoire. And then other ones would just be like, four minutes of the competitor's own choice. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and they were fun. But um, yeah, that, that was, and it also really depended who the judge was. Sometimes you'd get the judge who was very, um, wanted things done in a particular way. Other times you just get a judge that went, didn't like that tune. I had, this is actually one of my comment sheets from yeah. one particular, oh, Bellingham show this was. So I played three tunes and the judge's only comments were, number one, didn't like this tune. Number two, didn't think much of this one, neither. And then number three, that's more like it. What? That, okay, that's really helpful. That's insane. <laughs> were they like meant to be judging sheep instead or something? Well, Actually, that's the same judge. Would, yeah, pretty much. But you can't um, just I, say didn't like it. And how funny that you remember it in exactly the order. Yeah, I do. And I can I even remember the tune that he liked was called The Last of the Twins. And that was the one he thought that that was more like it. Oh, OK. That one. Fits I was actually it. related to that judge as well. And it, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. That's awful. <laughs> but you'd think they'd at least say, I really liked that tune. Nope wouldn't get a job was, assessing students he was very uh very traditional my, my granny's cousin and you know that from a very traditional kind of old-fashioned sort of farming shepherdy sort of community and like no nope, didn't like this tune <laughs> oh, god <laughs> just made me laugh i think competitions were uh they could be interesting <laughs> yes oh i'd love to have seen that sort of thing do they still do them they probably do don't they Oh, yeah, they do still do those piping competitions. And it still probably depends who the judge is. Um, have you been a judge? I have, yeah. Yeah, I try and, I mean, my personality is quite focused on, um, I do a lot of teaching and I'm not, sadly, the sort that's like, that's so fantastic. Oh, I love the way you did that. I wish I was like that, but it's, it, it's not the way I am. I'm focusing straight in on the thing where I can see how they could do that better. And it's equally in my head as positive because I'm wanting to help. But yeah. you do have to kind of uh, restrain yourself and maybe only find one thing <laughs> yeah. to focus on. Yeah. yeah. But I do try and, you know, they're, they're there. We want there to be these situations where people can play. And for in, with the Northumberland Piping competitions, um, lots of people have asked me if I thought you know, did I not think competitions were divisive and everything? And and actually my experience was that they were a fantastic thing because it gave you the opportunity to, to play your best tunes, your most challenging tunes, and more importantly than that. So you have the thing to practice to um, or practice for, but you got to hear other pipers playing. And normally the only time you'd hear other pipers, you'd be trying to play together, which was always problematic because we were never in the same key. We we're always out of tune with each other. And you'd hear everybody playing the tunes that everybody could join in with. So you never heard the party piece, you know. They yeah, never stretched really further flashed. than that. Yeah, so they were, a, it was fantastic. And you got to see other pipers and it was a good thing, the piping competitions, I think, anyway. Actually, the one at Bellingham, which is only, you know, a few miles away from where I live now, they uh, still have the piping competitions. And th that's been a really long running piping thing and it's it's like a farmer's show a shepherd's show so you have got sheep and um all of these other things uh going on outside um and that for my granddad robson my mum's dad um it's the it's the 
the best thing I ever did that for him it was the moment where we were talking about a sense of pride before for him his reaction when I won the open competition at Bellingham show is still it's still almost making me cry it's it's one of the best things ever it meant so much to him and you know at that stage I'd met the queen I'd done this and I'd done the other and you know yeah and he was like oh yeah that's nice but you know the queen is so far out of his sphere of you know uh, familiarity that it was like oh that's nice but when I won the piping competition at Bellingham he he couldn't speak all he could say to me was hello 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 he was just reduced to saying this saying hello to me about seven times at me and nearly crying he couldn't believe it and that was the moment where he thought oh my goodness she really can play she you know he was so so proud and that meant so much to me it's an example of how those little you know those very regional competitions the ones the traditional ones that have been going on for you know so long they are very close to people's hearts you know and you get sometimes with with some of them you'll get a cup and it's got piper's names inscribed from like oh i don't know how long you know 80 years or something and you can see your all your heroes um and you're going home with it it's like oh my goodness (laughs) they took this home as well yeah Yeah. that's amazing Mm. And also for my daughter, um, she now occasionally gets, um, so with both both my daughters, they've now brought home cups that have either my name on or my brother's name on. Uh, one was on Fiddle, but she she sadly gave that up. I know, it's just really nice to talk to you because we were just... No, it feels good. And... I can't remember the last time I talked about this stuff because... Um, so to talk about some of the like the nitty gritty and the and also some of the personal stuff which I wouldn't necessarily you know I wouldn't be saying so much well maybe I would I don't know thank you so much for sharing everything it's good thank you thanks for listening to does this resonate see you next time to unearth some more questions and see where the conversation takes us please follow us on twitter and instagram at do we resonate